0: Hello and welcome to another Arse blog Cast, right here on com. Hope you're well, feeling good, all happy, etc., etc. I hope you haven't had as, well, I won't say a weird day, but you know when you, you're working and you're, like, up to your eyes with things and you think, right, it's half five in the evening, and then you look up and it's eight o'clock. That ever happened to you? That just happened to me. It was very weird. Tim Stillman sent me an email to sort of say, where's the the column that I submitted much earlier on? I was sitting here thinking, well, I've got loads of time, loads of time. I'll just, you know, I'll do that at six o'clock and do this and do that. And, you know, uh, but between everything, it was just one of those days. I had voiceovers. I had to go places. I had to pick up my daughter from the airport. I had to walk the dog. I had to do all kinds of other things and then all of a sudden the day is nearly over and it's weird because it's come on the back of a week which is over much sooner than we would like because of the monday night football and of course next week is going to be exactly the same because we've got um monday night football next week too so it's just going to be all like time i don't like when time gets fucked up you know i like when i know when when time is that sounds weird. Maybe I should wear a watch or look at the clock more often, things like that. But, you know, I, I try and go by my, my inner clock. I try and use the force a little bit. Don't blame me. That's the way I was brought up. Not by a, a man with a, a really bad breathing problem in a in a mask, no. But I was, you know, seven when I saw Star Wars and it had a big impact on my life. So I've tried to use the force many times, unsuccessfully, I should say. But in, in general terms... Time is one of those things that I generally have a good grip on. But today it was just like, what the fuck? How the fuck is it eight o'clock? Like, what have I been doing all day? And then you think back, and, well, I did. Didn't it? So uh, yeah, there we are. There we are. It's a strange week, an odd week and a weird day. And, you know, at least now I have a beer, though. That's good. I've got a beer. I've got a microphone. I've got a, a fine guest to bring you. I've got a competition as well. Which is awesome. Five of you will be happy with this competition. Well, I'd say most of you will be happy with the competition when you hear it, but five of you will be happy next week when I announce the winners. And um, and there you are, there you are, and here we are. And uh, it's it's yeah, it's all going off. It's all happening now. Time is dragging because I actually have to talk for a while. There's the difference, you see. The minute you have to fill time, you become hugely conscious of it and you're thinking, well, what the, what the fuck am I going to say? What do I talk about? Like possibly the most exciting thing that happened this week was one of the neighbors about three or four doors down decided to do some gardening and part of that was to was to cut down all the trees at the back of his garden and sort of, if you can imagine that my house, and we have a back garden, it backs onto another back garden and then there's another house and that's kind of True the whole way up, and these trees have been there since I don't know it was since whenever we moved in, and now they're gone, and the light is weird, like i don't I don't like it, I don't like change in that regard, I don't like change generally speaking, but you know I, I sort of got used to my view, and now, I can see this guy like way in the distance, a different house that I've never seen before, number one, the colour of gray that it is offends me. I don't know why, but he's got some weird kind of gazebo spire thing on the back of his house that's also really annoying, that I don't have to look at or get annoyed by. But lots of us don't have to do lots of stuff, and it's still really annoying, and we do it anyway, despite the fact we we know better. Um, Arsenal news this week. Uh, pfft. If only there was a sound effect for tumbleweed. I suppose you could do like a Siberian wind. I think I've done that before. That would be like re-going over old ground. It's been a quiet, quiet week because, well, it's gone weird and quiet, hasn't it, anyway? Because um, apparently the league title has been won by some cunts or other, I can't remember, and... The top four looks to be pretty much sewn up. It's just the order of that. And then the only other thing of any interest to anyone in the Premier League is who goes down. It looks like Burnley are going down. It looks like Queen's Park Rangers are going down. And then it's like one of Villa or Newcastle or Sunderland or, you know, it's like, who gives a fuck? Who cares? One of those bunch of shitheads is going down and I don't really care and we've got games obviously still to play there's there's a lot for us to achieve second place is a thing we've got you know we want to do that and then there's then there's the cup final oh i saw as well actually and ah, this is the thing i saw that there was an unofficial cup final song out it's true uh, by some people uh, you can find them on twitter at riders otn no hang on is it no it's at the riders OTN. They're the Riders of the night, apparently, at the Riders OTN. And they've done a good old Arsenal kind of thing, and some of the money is going to uh, the Willow Foundation, I believe. But Cup final song, it got me thinking. It inspired me. So I put together a cup final song. I did, honestly. Like I worked on it, I worked on it, worked on it. That's part of why I lost track of time. You know, high production values I have. So I was like just making sure that the bass was right and the, the strings were were all there, that the reverb wasn't too much, you know, I was get I was getting into my like production groove. And that's what I've so I'm gonna play that for you a bit later on. Probably after the uh after the final music, you know, I'll do that. We'll um you know, you can enjoy that. Uh, Ars blog unofficial cup final song, which is to take nothing away from the one that's raising money for the Willow Foundation, because well, this one isn't raising any money for anyone; it's just for for my benefit, really. And it's uh, not raising any money for me because it's um it's free, free. We're clearly, you know the best business model of all time, isn't it? To make stuff and just give it away for free—that is how you don't make any money, folks. Just to throw that out there for you. Anyway, look, why don't we meet this week's guest, someone we've had on the show many times before and always uh, very interesting and great to talk to her. Let's welcome back Amy Lawrence. Hi there. Hi, Andrew. Can I start by going back to the game against Hull on Monday evening? And one of the things that uh, still is with me is some of the, the combination play that we saw from Arsenal. Some of it resulted in goals. Some of it resulted in chances. Uh, But in general, it was just an absolute pleasure to watch. Um, And Per Mertesacker spoke a couple of weeks ago about relationships on the pitch. Uh, The manager is playing a slightly unconventional lineup with Aaron Ramsey on the right-hand side. But it seems to be working because these relationships have been building over the last two or three
1: months. Absolutely but what's really interesting is that you you know you you assume it's all down to as as pair describes it the uh the automatisms which is actually a french word and when you speak to the um to the old guard uh, of of sort of henry pierres viera and so on it was a word they used to throw in quite a lot ah, so, so. Uh, i don't I know, I know you like to attribute it to pair because he's the one who kind of brought it into the domain recently but yeah. um I think it's an Arsene word that's sort of been floating around sort of the training ground ah, for, a, for a lot of time, really, and um, it's it's just that kind of automatic connection where you can do something telepathically without sort of thinking of it, of it or even being that conscious of it. Um, but it is a cool word, and I think you're right that there was that so much evidence of it in uh, the manner of Arsenal's game against Hull. But what I really liked is when Jack Wilshire comes on, who of course hasn't. Been playing any of the football recently to develop these kind of automatisms. Um, it, 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 he he clicks straight into it with a kind of breathtaking uh, vigor, really, and sh- and sort of added something else as well. So just goes to show you sort of always think, well, Ramsey, Kazoola, Wilshire, Erzil, um, you know, there seems to be this interchangeable attacking midfield. Mm. Um, Uh, option from you know from the great collection people not so long ago were teasing Arsene for seemingly only wanting to buy sort of nimble small clever technical sort of number 10 types and Mm -hmm. sort of squishing them all in somehow and how would you ever get any balance um but when they click together and when you have got someone like Cochrane in there to give you the platform to have some balance um it's it's fantastic to watch Mm. it was way too much for Hull
0: I was going to come to Jack Wilshere, actually, because I thought that was really interesting. I thought his 20 minutes was really, really positive. Uh, Obviously, because of the impact that he had on the game, he could have scored. I think we should have had a penalty. He could have been knocked over for a penalty. Some of his driving runs were were fantastic. And um, like you say, it offered something a little bit different as well from what what Ramsey did in that position. Um, How important is it now for Jack Wilshere to... To continue to make an impact, because I think he's even said during the week that he, you know, he's happy to get some minutes. He might get a few more minutes next week. He's, you know, uh, getting back into things after being out. But when he does get those chances, to show Arsene Wenger that you know he is the player that he thinks he is, um, and to give him really something to think about in a team that hasn't changed a great deal over the last few weeks.
1: You're right, and I think Wilshire is possibly the the biggest headache that Arson has when he tries to squeeze everybody in. I mean, we didn't even mention the likes of Rosicky, who's sometimes even struggling to get on the bench nowadays. And there's, there does seem to be so much, so much quality there, but it has settled into this pattern with you. You would expect fitness permitting any first 11 at the moment to include Ozil, uh, Cazorla, Sanchez, um, and, and, you know, For the rest of them, trying to fit around that, it's tricky. Um, But I think Jack's the one of all of them who probably thinks that when he's playing at his best, he can be in there too, Mm -hmm. and you've got to find a position for him. And Arsene was asked the other day uh, when he was um, preparing for the whole match and, and said that he's finally back to the level of fitness to really be challenging that uh, he he said he needed around about two years without injury to really be the player that everyone wants him to be. Mm. And you think of that and think, is that remotely possible, Um, first of all? And hopeful that it might be. But he also said that he doesn't see, you know, he's, he's often changed his mind, it seemed, about what position is supposed to be the ideal Wilshire position. Sometimes playing that kind of, Classic number 10 behind the front man, very central, sometimes a bit wider, uh, as Ramsey's having to do at the moment um, and has done in the past, and sometimes this deeper role that Roy Hodgson seems to quite like for him with England. Yeah. Arsene seemed pretty convinced that it's central and attacking, that that's where, you know, Jack can do his most damage. Um, but, of course, the moment with with Ozil playing there, you wonder how <laughs> on earth you squeeze another player of that caliber yeah um but uh, but with minutes you're gonna see if he can continue that level of intensity and also he just looked faster than he he has for a very long time
0: yeah that's
1: true sometimes players come back slightly differently from injury and you don't know why I and mean, we've spoken before about ozil and how since he came back from injury this time he looks bigger He looks bulkier. He looks stronger. There's something about his physical shape that's just different to the way it was this time last year. Yeah. Um, And even though it was only 20 minutes, it's way too early to judge. Jack did look quicker and sharper. And, you know, there was this, that burst of, of acceleration um, that really looked super tuned in, I felt against Hull. And, you know, I, I, I'd love to know more, as we probably all would, about the inner workings of the medical department at Arsenal. But um, there are some new personnel there that came in in the summer with different ideas. One doesn't know how much influence that's having on different ways of doing things Mm. and whether the players are are training in slightly different ways, looking after themselves with different emphasis. But that's certainly two players who on the latest evidence have come back from long injuries looking physically different to they were before.
0: Yeah, I mean he has been unlucky, Jack, in the sense that the the the, the tackle that put him out of the, the, the game against Manchester United and kept him out for over three months, four months now, um, was was a really nasty tackle. And the the previous injury I think he picked up was playing for England and again it was a fifty fifty and he came out the worst of it. Um suggestions that he should perhaps adapt his style to to avoid injury is how how do you see that would that rob him of something fundamental about how he plays
1: well you you, you hear that quite a lot and i, I saw it someone it might have even been you that wrote it i can't remember but somebody did mention this week that perhaps instead of all these people turning around and saying how jack um jack Wilsh has this game that almost invites these sort of challenges and injuries. People aren't blaming the people who are coming in late and tackling yeah, That was me, yeah. <laughs> well, you were bang on there, mate. Um, but, it, you know, there is an element of that and I think you've got to look after players and you're looking to officials to try and, uh, try and ensure that the gifted players can play. Um But if you look at, I mean, we're speaking just the morning after that masterclass from Lionel Messi last night and a player who's small with immense dribbling skills. I and mean, obviously Messi is superhuman, so it's probably not a fair comparison. But in the sense of them physically being not a million miles away um, as as players and having that same kind of game where you're running at people a lot. M- Messi has been incredible in the way that, obviously the only way that most people can try and get the ball off him is to foul him. And for a lot of his career, he just seems to evade the worst of the, you know, really brutal t- challenges, just through being so brilliant somehow. Mm. I mean, uh, but I think he, I think he has a sense of how far he can go, Messi. Yeah. You know, although he does get cut down a lot, and Jack perhaps needs to develop that slightly. But I agree with you; you don't want to take away too much of that. If mm. he can get past a man, he's got the skill and the pace to do so. Why
0: shouldn't he try it? Mm. I, it was fun. I, When you just speak of Messi, and I, he's obviously been on the receiving end of some tackles. Um, uh, he just seems incredibly robust as a, as a human being. I remember seeing there's a famous front page um, you, from years back where the defender has got his foot on his ankle. His ankle is turned over pretty much all the way. And you're thinking, well, it wouldn't have taken much for that to snap. And you're going, well, that, he's got to be out for ages and ages. He prob- I think he played the next game. So he's, um, well, he's incredible on, on many levels. Yeah,
1: on every level, I imagine.
0: Um, you mentioned Francis Coquelin. How important do you think his emergence has been um, to the team? And, and I know, I know I'm asking you to sort of delve into the manager's mind in a way, but do you, do you think that he might have regrets about not having that kind of a player a bit sooner?
1: Um, That's a, that's a good question. And, Arsene was asked at the last press conference, I think a quite interesting next bit of the question to that, which is the way that Francis Coquelin has emerged this season and the amount that he's given and gives to the team. Does that then mean you need another Francis Coquelin or another player to play in that position mm. in in the, the upcoming transfer window? Because if, you, you know, if he's so vital and you've only got one of him and your game is going to be... Quite different if if that type of player is unavailable for you. It seems pretty obvious that it would be a good idea for Arsenal to have a very good option to Coquelin. I mean, it's an interesting one because the whole classic "do you kill the player" thing comes into play, I suppose. Yeah, for and sure. Is assuming that that the way that Arsenal are playing now is the, the current blueprint. Vengel probably wants, I you know, Coquelin. Uh, just one kind of defensive pivot midfield type player. Yeah. Um, of course, there are certain games you might argue. If you were going to play a Champions League game away to Barcelona, for example, you might want to just yeah, attempt to give yourself a little bit more stability. So, there would be times I think you could argue to play to play two uh, slightly more resistant players uh, in your midfield. Um, so that I think that's all quite interesting. We, we'll learn probably a little bit about Arsene's appreci- appreciation of the job he's done and the importance of that position in how Arsenal currently function in the summer because it does make sense that there is another option. And if you look around the squad at the moment, there isn't anybody who can do what Coquelin has done in the last few months. Uh, Arteta obviously plays differently. Flamini plays differently. They're both getting on a bit. Um, Chambers was brought with a view to him possibly playing defensive midfield. He's nowhere near probably at the level that that Coquelin has been... Um, in terms of reading the game and, and interceptions and just just figuring out how how the game is flowing and, and where to be all the time. His reading of the game has just been superb. So um, uh, the, the value of him in this run since he came back, I think, is twofold. It's what he's given to the team now for this season. Mm. And it's also what it's shown to the manager that the team needs going forwards.
0: Yeah, it was interesting. Um, Sorry, I mean, just interrupted. interrupt it, was interesting where he was asked a question, I think, at a press conference, and he was saying, you know, has what the team done this season? Has it changed your um, your views on what you need to do in the transfer window? And he said, oh, massively. And, uh, you know, but, you know, we'll finish the season, et cetera, et cetera. And then afterwards, uh, the other night, he was asked about it and he said, well, I just had to say something because it was a difficult question <laughs> in a press conference, yeah. which was brilliant. But, you know, the, it... it it isn't easy, is it, that if a player like Coquelin emerges and becomes fundamental to the way that the team is playing and hugely important, and uh, it's to his immense credit that he's done that, that if you then had your eye on somebody like Schneiderlin, for example, who's going to cost you $20 million or $25 million, mm. it's th- finding the balance between the need for that player and then respecting what the guy like Coquelin has done it's not easy, is it? Because if you bring in a £25 million player, maybe it's more going right than it used to be, but it still speaks to somebody who, who would be expecting first-team football. Um, and it's a, it's a, an awful lot to pay for a guy who then you might think of as backup. So it's a it's very difficult one for the manager to, to approach.
1: It is. It's totally intriguing. I mean, you've also got to uh, factor in the things that we don't know about, such as... Um, the dynamic that they might bring to the dressing room, Mm. what they're like in terms of personality and how people are getting along with each other. And it sort of reminds me a little bit of um, the summer when uh, Arsene Wenger bought Gilberto Silva because you've got Vieira and Edu at that point and Edu was much loved and, you know, and a phenomenal football player as well. Uh, And there was this feeling, obviously, that, you know, Arsene decided that he wanted to have, you know, an, another key member of that sort of central midfield uh, axis, mm. which was Gilberto, uh, who I think he saw it, he could play with either of uh, of Vieira <laughs> or Edu, and um, you know they went to get him. There was a there was a sort of sense of competition, particularly between Gilberto and Edu, two Brazilians of a similar age, um, who were effectively fighting to, to play. Uh, one position with Vieira, if everybody was fit, and it worked. You know, the balance between the three of them actually was great during that uh, invincible era. Um, but it can go; it, it can easily go wrong, and it can easily be a situation where people get under each other's skin, or somebody's playing, somebody's not playing, and there's a little bit of atmosphere. Mm. Um, so it's 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 a really difficult trick to pull off where you have all the strength and depth that you need, the right level of competitiveness, the right um, creative tension, if you like, and also friendliness and support within the group. So I think that these are all the sort of things that will go through Arsene's head and he'll think about, you know, how Copland's done. He'll think about other people, be it Schleinlin or whoever, who may, who he might have targeted and how all of these things will work in terms of the group as a whole.
0: Yeah. Very interesting, and interesting. Also, to look ahead to the summer, and I know we're, it's a bit weird to do it now, but we're sort of in this position where the form is so good that there there aren't many other things to talk about other than you know how we how we might improve um, once we get beyond the end of this season. And there seems to be a general contentment with this squad that hasn't been present for for quite a long time. But at the same time, when you step back and look at it, there are question marks over the future of. Quite a lot of players that are in this squad at the moment. Lucas Podolski, uh, Joel Campbell, Thomas Rositsky, Matthew Flamini, um, Mikel Arteta, Wojciech Szczesny, Theo Walcott, of course, has got a contract situation. There's rumours all the time about Santi Cazorla, uh, even someone like Sonogo. You know, there are a lot of things that are going to go on this summer. Um, So it's going to be, despite the short break, there's going to be a lot for the manager to consider. Plus, on top of that, he's got, to, he's got to figure out how can he improve his squad again to, to, to build the gap or catch up with what Chelsea did this season.
1: Absolutely. Um, I, I, I think he, he knows that moving people on is... is it's, he almost hinted that it was a sort of a priority recently. Yeah. The squad is too big. Obviously, the ones that you've mentioned who are out on loan, they uh, should be, at the moment, coming back. Uh, in the summer but there's clearly not no space for them at the moment um, with the balance of the team so they've either got to go on loan again or you know if he wants to make changes and and send others away or sell raise money um, if there are you know two or three areas of the team that if they're improved for the start of next season that's needed if Arsenal want to go better than Second being the best possible scenario, yeah. which, is, which is a great outcome for this season if that's what it ends up being. Mm.
0: Yeah, I think he's got quite a lot of work on his hands, you know, to to manage the squad and to keep it competitive. Um, and I think he's even got that work going on at the moment that he, I think he's loath to change too much. Because it's working, but at the same time, the players um, that he that he wants to give some match fitness to, that he's got to call on, he's going to have to call on from time to time. It, it's trying to squeeze in those minutes, like even someone like Theo Walcott the other night only got six minutes of of, uh, of playing time. Um, so it, it's not it's not easy when it's when it's going well. I mean, we like to step back and think, well, the, you know, that's the easiest thing in the world, but it's maintaining that um, for when things do go wrong a little bit.
1: I do. I do think, though, from what I've heard, that the the, the strength in the group and the um, atmosphere in the group is as good as it's been for a very long time. And you can have situations where there's obviously players who aren't playing as much as they would like at the moment because, as you say, it's, it feels like a very settled team. It feels like you 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 know more or less who's going to be picked um, for these ne- for these last four or five matches of the of this season. And and yet, I think that. It seems there's not, you know, there's not some of that kind of bitchiness that you might sometimes get. I think it's a good collective that is going on at the moment. Everybody's really hungry. Um, there might be one or two who obviously are not having the best time, and but you you, you would expect that. But the, for the very very big majority, it's a very united group mm. and quite a happy group.
0: Well, that's good to that's good to know, and also quite a fit and healthy group um and we're at a stage of the season where very often um we've had problems um, and we had our problems earlier in the season but are we beginning to see the the effects of the shatterfication behind the scenes <laughs> oh, a fantastic word um, <laughs> feel free to use it any time
1: uh, i'll have to uh, copyright you in <laughs> on that, i think uh, uh well uh, it, it it could be i mean i after, I sort of tried to find out I have to admit I uh, made a few quiet inquiries um, because it seemed so obvious that there was this big change last summer when I did a piece back in the summer about the way that Chad Forsyth and the company that he comes from do their work it did feel like a, a lot of um, modernising uh, compared to the way that Arsenal had been working and, and one of the things that Shad Forsyth's old sort of mentor was was saying at the time was that these are things that don't necessarily click overnight. Someone's not going to walk in if you've got a sore shoulder and and, and give it a click or a move and then all of a sudden you're going to be better and stronger and different. He's he's not Jesus. Well, sadly, (laughs) not quite. But um, but, uh, he does seem to have a bit of power looking at the injury list at the moment. Um, And like I said, I just wonder whether there's that slight sort of symbolic thing with looking at the likes of Ozil and um, Wilshire coming back, just looking slightly different physical specimens. Mm. Um, there is a lot of very, very specific detailed work in the way that a player moves all the time. You know how they're um, not just when they're on the pitch, not just when they're training, but trying to make sure that little niggly things that might be with you from when you learned to walk or when you learned to run, when you were a toddler, or when you first started jumping around and you might have been doing that in a way that put a particular strain on a particular muscle and they try and eliminate mm. that in everyday life and the effects are that obviously should be a lot about prevention of injuries but also just making the body much, much more efficient. That's what they try to do and um, it's too probably early to assess the difference in, you know, less than a complete season But if we're sitting here this time next year and the fitness um, and injury list is quite slimline, then I think it looks like it's been a a fantastic acquisition for Arsenal. All
0: right. Well, uh, yeah, so far so good, we'll say on that one. Um, All right. Look, finally, I just want to chat to you very briefly about the the book. The Invincibles book um, is out now in paperback, correct?
1: it certainly is yes um perfectly timed to uh to come out on a day of the year when nobody's got anything to do or think about election day <laughs> um so if it's gone under anybody's radar well i'm not surprised but yeah it was uh um pleasing to to see how well received the book was um when it came out first in hardback and obviously now if anybody's interested it's quite a bit cheaper so yeah. if you didn't get a chance to read it uh you know, there it is with a nice new, uh, shiny cover with yes, the indeed. with gold gold embossed writing to uh, oh wow suggest the um, the golden trophy, which of course no other Premier League club has ever managed to to get their hands on.
0: Yeah, funny though, funny that despite how much uh, money and how boring they are, none of them have ever managed to uh, to do that. And uh, very kindly, you've given us a few copies to give away, so we'll uh, we'll do that competition right after this. But Amy, as always, thank you very much. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you, as always, to Amy. You'll find her on Twitter, of course, at AmyLawrence71, at AmyLawrence71. And we talked about the book Invincible, which is out now in paperback. And very kindly, Amy has given us five copies to give away, five signed copies of the book to give away to you guys. And it's really easy. All you have to do is answer the following question. From which club did Arsenal sign Edu? Edu? From what club did Arsenal sign Edu, the Brazilian midfielder? All you have to do then is send your entry to competition at arsblog.com. That's competition at arsblog.com And I'll give you the winners on next week's show. Man, I really loved Edu. Really, you know, when you get a just a real liking for a player. and Maybe they're not the best player in the entire world. And clearly he wasn't. Still a great player. I thought he was quite underrated, really. Um, but I, I just loved Edu. Really did. We did uh we had an interview with him actually. I, I yeah, I wonder where that is these days. I think if you go to Vimeo dot com and search for Arsblog Edu or Arsenal Brazil Arsblog and Edu, it should pop up there. But the way that he speaks about the club and his time at the club and, and what he thinks of, you know, the players that he was with, the way he was looked after, Arsene Wenger, everything else, um Oh, he's just an absolute gentleman. So uh, that's worth checking out. It's on vimeo.com and search for Arse blog Edu or Arsenal Brazil Edu because uh, those guys were obviously involved in in asking all the questions. Um, yeah, so check that out for all your Edu needs. So this weekend is a nothing weekend from an Arsenal point of view. There's no football until Monday night when we face Swansea. Lucas Fabianski once more. Uh, he'll be in goal for Swansea, I guess. Over the weekend, the other teams uh, playing are... That might have something to do with us. Crystal Palace are playing Manchester United at half past five on Saturday evening. What else? Um, well, I can't see anything else on Saturday that's of any particular interest. Sunday. Oh, Sunday is Liverpool-Chelsea, of course. Yeah, we were into that. We are into a bit of, you know, shenanigans in that game. bit of ultra violence and and all that that would be fun Uh, and manchester city play queens park rangers and of course they're going to win that game very very comfortably indeed unquestionably they're going to win that game there's just no way that they're going to drop any points Uh, and uh, they could be three points ahead of us by the time that we play swansea although we would have three no two games in hand so that would be you know six points that we could make up on them but you know if they could drop points, it would be good. But they're not going to. It's just just not going to happen. Uh, ahead of the Swansea game, Arsene Wenger has given some team news. And Aaron Ramsey looks like he might be a bit of a doubt. Uh, he took a bit of a kicking from, from uh, Tom Huddleston on Monday night. And uh, Arsene Wenger said he's recovering slowly from that. So he could be a bit of bruising. Danny Welbeck still not back in training. Um, he might make it we'll we'll have to wait and see Matthew Debussy still out with a hamstring injury uh, Alex Oxo-Chamberlain and Mikel Arteta still out so there's been no risks taken in that regard if Ramsey doesn't make it it'll be very interesting to see what he does particularly at home against uh, a team like Swansea will he play Theo Walcott who's the most natural fit for that position or or will he perhaps uh, play Jack Wilshire? In the Aaron Ramsey role, that'll be very interesting to see. We could make some, not conclusions perhaps, but we could draw inferences uh, from the decision that he makes there. So we'll, uh, we'll have to wait and see how that goes, or maybe Ramsey will be fit and he'll play. But obviously, next weekend, we've got a very, very big game against Manchester United. So given that we're at home, given that we're in good form, we've got most of the team available, it's not really necessary to take any risks with Aaron Ramsey when we do have other options. Um, so I-, I wouldn't be surprised to see him miss this one in order to make sure that he's fit for the trip to Old Trafford next weekend. So there you go. So that's it, really. That's it. Time waits for no man. It's uh, it's kicking on. I do know what time it is now, though, Uh, compared to the start of the podcast. This is good. I know what time it is. Real progression has been made here ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, as always, for listening. Remember, if you do listen on iTunes, a rating and a review uh, does us some favours. Uh, it helps us get up their algorithms and in their charts and all that kind of crack. So if you feel obliged to do that, that would be very much appreciated. The same with Stitcher. You can find us on there. And I think we're on TuneIn Radio now also. If that's something that you use, you can find the, the cast on there. So that's it. Uh, James and I will be here on Tuesday with the cast Extra. Don't forget, you can hear the exclusive, absolutely free, official, Arseblog official anyway, FA Cup song after the theme music. So stick around. It's uh, really, really worth waiting for if I if I do say so myself. All right, then. Until Tuesday's Arsecast Extra and next week's Arsecast, have yourselves a great weekend. Until then, cheers. Bye-bye.